Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. If you will, turn with me to Psalm 68 today, Psalm 68 and verse 5. We're going to read a good bit of scripture in just a few minutes. And we'll kind of lay the foundation first. We're going to start in Psalm 68 verse 5. Translation says this Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. Father to the fatherless, defender of the widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. Lord, would you just add your anointing and your understanding and illumination to the reading and the and the preaching and the hearing? of your word today. And I pray God more than anything that you would give us the courage and the strength to uh, not just be hearers of your word, not celebrators of the word, not cheerers of the word, but doers of the word that we would hear what your word has to say to us today. And that you would give us the strength and the courage to put it into practice in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, um, this is a strange way to start a message, but I'm going, to, I'm going to start with this statement. I am an orphan. I am an orphan. Not in the traditional sense of the word, because I was blessed to have my mom with me for 45 years, my dad with me for 50 years. They were married to each other for 28 years of my life. But as I was driving home from my dad's house a few weeks ago after the funeral home came and took possession of his body, that's exactly what crossed my mind going down I-20. I'm an orphan. And, and it was a bit of a surprise to me because uh, having already lost my mom five years ago, I thought I knew what to expect in losing uh, a parent. And maybe it was the fact that, I lost, that, that now I've lost both. Maybe it was the relationship that I had with my dad. I don't know what was different, but there was definitely something different that hit me that day. What if I need to know something about my childhood? Who do I call? Like, what, what if I need to understand something about my family background? What, who's going to tell me who I am? Who's going who's to tell me how I got to be this way? Who's, who's going to be my encourager and who's going to be the one that's always in my corner? Those are, the, those are the questions, were the questions that were swirling around. So if this is just part of the grieving process for me, then thank you for being part of my therapy group. But I think there's, there, I, I sense in that moment that there was something spiritual about it that I needed to explore and to address with you all. So my message today is orphans and origins, orphans and origins. And, and I want to talk about today the need for a return to biblical fatherhood, biblical fatherhood. Now, it's difficult to talk about fathers separate from mothers because there's so much overlap in what makes for good parenting, no matter whether you're, no matter what gender you are. But in honor of Father's Day, uh, a week late, which is what we, I told you last week we we're going to do, 
um, I, I want to talk to and talk about dads with no disrespect intended to moms. Moms, are y'all okay? Everybody, y'all not real enthusiastic about that. Y'all okay? Don't put your lips out at me. Make me come down there. Um, I'm going to talk to dads today. Now, listen, I know that when you start talking about families, there's so many different family situations. So many of them are difficult and strange. And, and, and I understand that. So this is what I, this is what I tell the staff sometimes when we go to uh, a meeting or whatever, I say, listen, this is just like eating dinner. You, uh, you eat the chicken, you spit out the bones. All right. So if there's something here that doesn't apply to you, then please set it aside and recognize that there are a lot of different kinds of people in a lot of different kinds of situations. Okay. Everybody okay? Yay. All right. Well, let's dive in. There is something significant about the role of fathers. Can I get an amen on that? Something significant about the role of a father in a child's life. But for some reason, especially in the Western, in Western civilization, there's been this effort and it seems intentional to minimize the importance of that role in the last generation or two. And, and maybe it was an effort to recognize, uh, and to, to recognize women's rights and roles and their contributions to, uh, to, to everything about the family. And that's a worthy goal. That's a good thing. I'm, all, I'm down for that. But I'm not sure when we're going to realize in this country and just as human beings that getting people to a level playing field does not require pushing somebody else down. You can't bring equality by reducing everybody to the lowest common denominator. At least not any sort of equality that anybody wants to be a part of. All right? So regardless of the cause, and we can debate that forever, the effect of this trend away from active fatherhood is being felt in our nation and in our world. So listen, guys, today is not beat up dad guy a day. It's not beat up dad day. A lot of Father's Day messages, it feels like kind of turns into that. That's not what this is. As a matter of fact, the opposite of that is true. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you to rise up and take your place in the lives of your children, sometimes beside wonderful women of God who have been fighting that fight as well. And I just want to challenge you to, with me to parent well the kids that God's blessed you with. And I also want to, to, want to speak to those who... Um, don't have a positive father figure in their lives as well. So we're going to dive in a lot of stuff to talk about today. What's it going to take for us to return to biblical fatherhood in this country? And the first thing is, is to face the problem, face the problem. You can't solve a problem that you don't admit exists, right? So too many children have been orphaned in our culture in one way or the other by death or divorce or deadbeat dads, or the relationship with the dad and the mother of the children are so bad that dads just get pushed out, or there's so much pain in, 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 that this wall of separation has, has, uh, has been built because of the failures in the, in the relationship. Whatever the circumstance that caused the fatherlessness, the results are well-documented. And, and some of you may understand this or may have already read or heard this, but I want to I wanna run through this again because it's important that we keep this in front of us. Now, the source for these, uh, for these stats and this research is actually from a, more, uh, from a secular, more liberal-leaning organization, which, which I think just makes it even more powerful. Now, if you want to see the source that I'm quoting from, uh, I put that link in the YouVersion event that's on the YouVersion Bible app. You can go there and see the link 
to this research. So this organization quoting from research done by psychology today said, this is what they find common in children with absent fathers, consistent feelings of rejection and abandonment, problems in maintaining relationships and and even friendships. They see poor academic performance in school, poor school attendance and behavior problems in school. As a matter of fact, 71% of high school dropouts don't have a father in their lives. Almost, that's almost three fourths. Delinquents, they see delinquency and criminal activity in those kids. 85% of kids in youth detention centers don't have a father uh, present in their lives. And that, that trend, that statistic continues as they uh, mature into adulthood as well. They see promiscuity among boys and girls. They see higher rates of teen pregnancy in girls and higher rates of sexual exploitation in girls who don't have fathers. Homelessness they see uh, in, uh, in, in children without fathers. 90% of runaways are fatherless. They see mental health disorders like, like anxiety and depression and suicide. They see physical abuse. Five kids are five times more likely to be physically abused if there's no father in the picture. Uh, You see emotional maltreatment and abuse. Kids without fathers in the picture are 100 times more likely to suffer fatal abuse. And the list just goes on and on. There's a clear problem in our nation, in our culture, where when men are absent from their children's lives. Children struggle with identity. They struggle without, without their fathers to know who they are. They don't understand their origins. They don't understand their bloodline. They don't understand their heritage. They don't even, under, they don't even know their medical history in some cases. Children who are fatherless also not only don't understand their physical health and history, they don't understand their spiritual health and history as well. It's not uncommon among the adults in a, in a church for 75% of the adults in church to be female. Where are the dads? Too many men are not leading their families physically or spiritually. Now in the book of Judges, God tells the story of the results of Israel's campaign to take over the promised land. And, and the bad news is in many, in many cases, in most of the tribes, they failed to do everything they were told to do. They were told to go and conquer and drive out the enemy and to defeat the enemy completely. And in and, and every tribe, one after the other, it says, but they failed to drive them out completely. And so what that means is, and in chapter three, before I move on there, in chapter three, it also says that God intentionally left some of the enemies there so that one generation could teach warfare to the next generation. So here's what happens spiritually in our lives. When dads are not present, when dads are not standing up to teach warfare to the kids, when dads are not engaging in the enemy, then that means our kids are left growing up next to their spiritual enemies, just like the children of Israel's kids were left growing up next to their physical enemies. You understand? The enemies are still occupying the land in our families. And we need men of God who will stand up and fight those fights. But if you're, not, if you're not leading your children spiritually, then how are they going to know their spiritual heritage? How are they going to know what struggles have been a part of their family? How are they going to know what, what they're fighting against? What are the giants left in our families? 
Is it poverty? Is it pornography? Is it perversion? Is it adultery? Is it addiction? Is it joblessness? Is it this perpetual uh, cycle of, of education deficits? What is it? What are the spiritual origins in our families? What are the generational curses, if you will? What are the things that seem to characterize our families and how do I fight them? And if your kids are already grown and you're just sort of coming into this knowledge as, as a spiritual leader, then how can you help your kids fight the enemies that have already infiltrated their lives? How can you help them teach warfare? How can you teach warfare to them if you're not present in their lives and if you're not fighting the fight? So we have to be honest as a culture, honest as a nation, honest as a church and face the problem of fatherlessness. Even fathers who are literally present, but are not spiritually taking up the mantle of leadership. We have to talk about the issues that that creates. Now, listen, that's the bad news. That's enough of that bad news. Guys, are you ready for some good news? Can I get a good hearty baritone? Amen. Amen. There you go. Nice. Now, so what do we, what do we do? After we face the problem, we have to see the potential. We have to see the potential because the good news about problems is that when you find a good solution, there's incredible potential for good. And that's what we're talking about here. And I want to go back now to Psalm 68 and verse five. This is the most important part of the message. So y'all don't, y'all don't zone out. If you zoned out, zone back in for just a second. I want to read this verse one more time. And I want to, I want to share with you something the Lord showed me this week. It says, father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God whose dwelling is holy. God is father to the fatherless. We talk about that all the time, right? We've talked about that. We've sung about it. It's a, he, he knows our names. He, he's our father. That's all good. We've heard it before, but it hit me differently this week. And I want to put it in this context. The role of the father is so significant that when it's left vacant, God fills the position himself. The role of the father is so significant that when it's left vacant, he fills the role himself. That one revelation might be all you need to hear today, guys. Take it and run with it. Stop putting yourself down, dads. Stop counting yourself out. You are not disposable. You, you are not optional. You are not less important than moms are. You are irreplaceable on this earth. You are vital to the growth and development of your children spiritually and physically and emotionally and socially and academically and every other way. Just as great as the absence of our, as our absence causes a problem in the lives of our kids, our intentional positive presence has the potential to reverse these trends. So do you see the potential here where there's a great problem, then the, then the right solution has the potential to change things almost overnight if we just do what we know to do. One of the Christian firms uh, just a few years ago conducted some really some groundbreaking research and they, uh, they did some myth busting that has been present in the church for a long time. And, and they showed that the way to get families active and involved in churches is to get dads involved. That's what it showed, to get dads involved. When fathers are involved in the church, the family is involved in the church over 90% of the time. That's what the research shows. Because kids come without parents, right? That's called free childcare. 
And that happens all the time. And moms come without dads, but rarely do you see a dad come to church that they don't have the whole family with them. Isn't that right? If you've been to church for a minute, yeah. So the, the, the key is getting the dads. It's an incredible opportunity. It's amazing potential. So what does that mean? That means we need to be praying for Mitchell Cash and for the men's ministry called Driven's, Driven Men's Ministry. I'm the walking advertisement for it today. They're like, you look a little, uh, I don't know what you're doing over there. I said, you just wait and see. I'll tell you what this is about today. She did not approve this outfit. So let me just state that for the record. Uh, men's ministry is important. It's important for the health and the vitality of our church. It's important for the growth of our church spiritually and numerically. And again, it doesn't mean anybody's not important, but do you see the power of the statistics? They don't lie. If we can get dads engaged and involved, it will make an, a, a, an outsized spiritual influence in the, in the lives of our families and our church. We, we've already seen that dads make a huge difference in every other area of their kids' lives. So there's great potential for blessing in our kids' uh, lives and for changing our culture if we'll just face the problem and see the potential and then follow through with this very last step, which is this, be the solution. Be the solution. We, there's no reason to sit around and talk about the problem. There's no reason really even to talk about and consider the potential for, uh, for improvement if we're not committed to actually doing it. We have to be the solution. Now, like a lot of you, I enjoy watching TV to relax and spend some time with my family if we can find something that everybody wants to watch. Anybody else say amen to that? Good Lord. So I don't know if you've noticed this, but there is nothing on in the summertime right? And the seasons of the good stuff ended like in March. So we're just done. So we're watching, we're, scra we're scrambling. Do y'all know they, they make something called insane pools. Have y'all watched that ridiculous thing? This, this, I mean, you're hurting for something to watch. But anyway, we, we watch now there's the only thing left is game shows and reality TV, but they drive me nuts. But you know, so we watched, uh, AGT this week uh, or a couple weeks ago, America's got talent. If you have never seen that, you ain't missing nothing. But if <laughs> you, it is a talent show, uh, where they compete against each other to make it through to the next round. And ultimately they get a million dollars in a show in Vegas or something like that. Um, so they had this, uh, the other week, they had this young man who was a dancer slash like contortionist. I mean, the things he was doing with his body were impressive slash disturbing. I mean, they were, it was really, you could tell he put in a lot of work, but it was a little freaky, you know, to watch him twist and bend like that. But as they did his story, uh, it, it, he told what was going on and, and they find out that his, his dad had rejected him. And I don't know why this always is, but it's, the dad's always a pastor <laughs> when that happens. But his dad was a pastor. He wanted to be a dancer. Dad did not want him to be a dancer. And, and they just, he just cut him off. He just, he refused to talk to him. So it's been several years and he's not talked to his dad. And because mom got caught in the middle, she hadn't talked to him as well. So for years, this kid has been uh, estranged from his family because of, his, of the choice to be a dancer. Um, so do you know what this guy, this, I started to say a kid, but he's in his 20s now. Do you know what he wanted out of his appearance on the TV show? He wanted his dad to see him and be proud of him. 
That's all he wanted. This kid's not going to win the million dollars. He's, he's cool. He's talented, but it's not a million dollar level talent. Um, he's not going to win the show. He was hoping that if he got put through to the next round, that his dad would see him and recognize his talent and validate his decision. And one of the judges actually pulled out their, their own cell phone and handed it to him on the spot. And I think the kid was too afraid to call his dad in front of everybody, 3,000 people in person and, and millions on TV. So he called his mom and his mom talked to him and said she was proud of him. But it just got me thinking, if that 20-something-year-old man, grown man, puts in that time, clearly the time that it took for him to practice his routines and to get that good at what he was doing, if he was willing to work that hard day after day, year after year, just to get the blessing of his estranged father, what could happen if we, dads, if we gave it to our children voluntarily and generously? What could happen in our children? What could happen in our families if we wouldn't withhold the blessing, but instead we gave it generously? See, it's time to be the solution for fatherlessness. No more orphans. We have to be part of our children's lives and, and we have to let them be part of ours. And listen, this has nothing to do with the current state of the relationship that you have with their mother. All right. Even if you can't see them or talk to them, or, or even if they're of an age where they've decided they don't want to talk to you uh, for whatever reason, you can still father them and you have to. Like, John, I don't know what that means. What does that mean? It means pray for them. Not just pray about them, pray for them. Bless them. Send the word. Send the word over their lives and into their lives. Speak life over them. Speak life over your relationship. If you can contact them, if they will receive messages from you, then always approach them with humility and repentance. Listen, if you did something wrong, take ownership and, and ask for forgiveness. No excuses. Don't go in, well, this was happening. Just own it. Don't blame anybody else and don't put their mother down. Let, guys, can we just talk real quick, just man to man? No matter how crazy the mama is, don't put her down because that's their mama. So don't be that guy. You've got to show them that you're ready to be the father that they need. And listen, it's not going to happen overnight if you're strange. It's not going to happen overnight. You're going to have to be committed for the long term. They may push you away depending on the circumstances because they can't risk rejection again. And if they let you in and you let them down, it's soul crushing. So don't rush them. Give them some space and some grace and some time. Just be that constant, positive, non-intrusive presence in their lives. Listen, dads, if your kids are at home, then you, but you've struck out over and over again. You just haven't stepped up to be the spiritual leader uh, of your home or even uh, active parenting in your home. Then it's time to get up again. Yeah. It's time to stand up. No more orphans. No more orphans. Don't get intimidated by the concept of being a spiritual leader in your home. It does not mean you have to pastor a church. It does not mean you have to preach a message. It doesn't mean you have to do a 20 minute devotion at dinner every night. Have those been train wrecks at your house? Those have been so discouraging. I'm like, I'm going to quit the ministry. These two, they won't even listen. So it's, it, you don't have to do that. 
What does it mean? It means you're going to be committed to following Jesus and you're going to make sure they see you do that, that you're not going to hide it. You're not going to be ashamed of it. You're going to let them follow you as, as you follow Christ. That means you take them to church. Don't send them to church. It means you get involved. They'll never exceed your level of involvement. You get involved at the level that you want your kids involved with. If you want them going to discipleship groups, you go to discipleship group. If you want them serving at church, you serve at church. They're going to do what they see, not listen to what you say. When you mess up and you will probably by like three o'clock, if you, when you mess up, own it and repent to God and to them because they really don't expect you to be perfect because they already know you're not. They just expect you to own it when you they just recognize it, recognize it and own it. And you're modeling for them what grace looks like. If they have a test at school, pray for, tell them I'm praying for you about it. Help them study. Ask them when they get home. Whatever, just get involved in their lives. You're like, John, I, I'm busy. Well, guess what? Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy doing something, but you make time for what's important to you. You make time. So just take them with you. You got stuff to do, let them do stuff with you. I, I, try don't, I, I try not to ever go to the store or run an errand by myself. I drag one of my kids with me, whether they want to or not. Hey, jump in the car. Hey, now just take one kid, because you take more than one kid, you're going to spend your time refereeing, right? I see we got parents in the house this morning. Yeah, so take one kid so, so that you uh, listen to the kind of music they want to listen to sometimes. Talk about what's going on with them. Tell them your stories again. My family swears I haven't told them an original story in 12 years, but nonetheless, just do life together. Just do life together. Just let them be a part of yours and you, you a part of theirs. And then when there's a spiritual opportunity that presents itself, don't swing and miss. Just take the opportunity. I want to show it to you in the word in Deuteronomy chapter six. Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 through 9, this is what Moses said. He said, you got to commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road. Now, Moses wasn't talking about like in an SUV, but that fits, right? Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. You know what? Make them visible. Let your kids see it. To write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. That just means a biblical spiritual father is going to take a stand for his home and say, this house belongs to the Lord. I want to show that to you in Joshua 24 and verse 15. Joshua said, listen, if you refuse to serve the Lord, then, then that's on you. You choose today who you're going to serve. Do you prefer the God of your ancestors across the Euphrates? Or do you want the God of the Amorites in whose land you live now? But Joshua said, listen, you make up your own mind. But for me, for my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Period. That's what godly men do. It's also, God, biblical fatherhood is also about setting reasonable, attainable expectations. It's not always the iron fist and, and the rod of, of iron. It's, it's about reasonable and attainable. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. 
Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It doesn't mean your kids won't ever get mad at you, but that shouldn't be the goal. Right? Y'all kind of left me hanging there. You're like, really? All right. Look at Colossians chapter something, chapter 3, verse 21. Fathers, don't aggravate your children or they'll become discouraged. I've seen, I've seen dads just aggravate the snot out of their kids. And then when their kids buck up, then they whip them for it. They get in trouble for it. And I'm like, you started it. I actually did tell a guy that a couple times. You did that. That wasn't his fault. So dads, we got to take ownership for setting reasonable, attainable standards. It's not always my way or the highway. The, the root word of discipline means to teach, not to punish. It, so it, discipline doesn't always have to hurt. It can just be a teachable moment. Okay? Reasonable and attainable. Being a biblical father is also about helping kids find out who they are spiritually, what God is equipping them and calling them to do. And we'll show you a verse that you've read, uh, heard a thousand times, but I want to make sure you understand the context. Proverbs 22 and 6, direct your children onto the right path, and when they're older, they won't leave it. It's not just the right path in terms of spirituality so that we show them what it means to follow Christ. It's always the path that's right for them as an individual based on how God created them and how God gifted them. So it's not, boy, you're going to play football just like all the other men in my family. It, it, it's not, you're going to take over the family business just like I inherited from my dad. It, it's, gonna, it, it's more about helping them find out what they're good at, what they're passionate about, what they're gifted for, and putting them on the path to following God based on how they were created. And when they're old, they won't depart from it because that's exactly what they were created to do. Does that make sense? But, but guys, we have to be strong enough and mature enough to allow them to go the way that they're supposed to go and not just the way we wish they'd go. And when they do go, you let them go without making them feel guilty about it. I thought somebody would at least say amen on that. Uh, Psalm 103 and verse 13. These are words that you don't normally hear about uh, in, in, with, with uh, fatherhood. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who follow him, who, who fear him. Tender and compassionate are not words you normally hear with fatherhood in our culture, but it's part of it. It's not the only part of it, but it is part of it. You can't be Zeus on the throne hurling thunderbolts at people. That's not biblical fatherhood. Tender and compassionate. Look at, uh, at the next scripture. What is it? First uh, Thessalonians chapter two. And you know, we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We look at this. We pleaded with you. We encouraged you. We urged you to live your lives in a way that God would consider worthy for he called you to share in his kingdom and his glory. You see that? Tender and compassionate. I'm pleading. I'm encouraging. I'm urging. I'm doing everything I can to coach these kids up to do what God's called them to do. And here's the, the last portion of the, uh, of the biblical things that I want to talk about today. Don't underestimate the value of the blessing of a father. Don't underestimate the value of the blessing of a father. In the Old Testament, it was very, very formal. Like the end, the end of a life, it was a, it was a thing 
they bring them into the patriarch and there was a formal blessing and all that kind of thing. It, it can be just as valuable, just as meaningful now in a far less formal way. Listen, you don't have to call a family meeting. You don't have to get stationary and write calligraphy. Just send them a text. Send them a text and say, I'm proud of you. Just, send, or just out of the blue, hey, I love you. You're doing a good job, right? Just, just surprise them. They, they won't, they'll be speechless. Just walk up and drop this little love bomb and just walk away and just watch them stare and wonder what in the world is happening. But it means something. Doesn't, you don't have to make it awkward. Just tell them something. Just, tell them, just send them a text. Just let them know. Leave them a note in their car. Whatever. You don't have to agree with every decision they make in their lives. You don't have to agree with, your, with their career choice. You don't have to agree with their life choice. You don't, they, they're not going to ever do everything that you wanted them to do or wish that, you, that they would do or that you had imagined that they would do. But to have the love and the blessing of a father can be an anchor and a lighthouse even when they stray away. I'm not suggesting you bless a lifestyle of sin. That's not what I'm saying. But it also doesn't have to be the topic of conversation every time you see him. Right? I, I'm saying you can still be proud of a child who doesn't do everything that you wish they would do. You can still be proud of a child who's lost their way. As a matter of fact, your love, dad, may be the only thing that keeps them tethered to you and to the Lord. And I want to show you this in a very familiar passage of scripture, Luke 15. Verses 20 through 24. So he returned, the prodigal son, uh, to his father. And while he was a long way off, his father saw him coming. How did his father see him coming a long way off? Because he was watching for him. Filled with love and compassion, not judgment and anger. Filled with love and compassion, the father ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. The son said, Father, I've sinned against both you and heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So he's like, I just want to be a servant. Don't call me son. Dad completely ignored it. And said to his servants, hey, get the finest robe in the house, put it on him, get a ring for his finger, sandals for his feet, kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine, completely ignore all this, ser this servant talk. This son of mine was dead and now he's returned to life. He was lost. Now he's found. These are the most fun four words you're going to find in the gospel anywhere. So the party began. Why did he come home? because he knew his father and he knew his father loved him. He knew his father would do the right thing. See, kids don't need our judgment. They don't need our criticism. They don't need our snide remarks. They don't need our, I told you so's. What they need is our love and our blessing. They need our direction, our discipline. They need our positive presence in their lives. They need to know that you're always there for them, always cheering them on, always proud of them. So no more orphans, right? Let your kids know you're there. No more, no more wondering about origins. Let them know what they're made of and where they came from, what they're connected to. So let's be the biblical dads that, that are committed to being good examples for our kids. Now, two quick, two quick issues to deal with surrounding this. If you are, um, ladies, if you are married to a man 
who has not been the spiritual leader of your house, but shows the inclination of wanting to be. If, if the Lord just moves in his spirit today hearing this or, or and whatever else is going on in his life and he decides, I want to try to be the man that God has intended me to be, then he will not succeed at that by you pointing out his flaws and his failures and reminding him that you've heard it all before. You say, well, John, what do I do? Because I've been the spiritual leader for all these years uh, and because he wouldn't do it. And now I'm just supposed to stop just because he is? Listen, if he's ready to lead, you're going to have to do a very brave and difficult thing, and that is submit. That's Ephesians chapter 5. You say, why in the world should I submit to him? I've been leading this family by myself. I'm stronger than he is spiritually. I know more than he does. I've got more experience. I've got more wisdom. I'm just going to keep leading until he catches up. Well, that sounds good. The problem is if he's not been strong enough to lead up to this point, how do you think he can get strong enough to knock you out of the way so he can start? Right? So why should you submit? Let me, let me put it this way. Because the only way to use your strength to help him up is to get under him. So what do you do? Pray and submit. Submit and pray. And pray. And walk beside him. And speak life into him. And stop pointing out his flaws. He already knows. Encourage him. Give him sound advice. But don't put him down. Don't belittle him. Now, ladies, I want you to press pause on your uh, speaking to me <laughs> in public. Just press pause, okay? No amens, no uh-huhs, no mm-hmm, none, none of that, all right? Let me just speak to the, to the men. <laughs> I used to have a lady in my choir did that. <laughs> she didn't like the song I had. Anyway, um, so men, if, you're, um, if your wife has been leading, give her props for that. Recognize it, Okay? Uh, respect her. Do not go home and say, well, pastor says it's my time to lead this family, bless God. Respect her and respect her wisdom. Don't lord over her. That's not, that is not biblical leadership. Lean on her strength. Listen to her. Consider what she says. Recognize that this is going to be hard for her. Reassure her that you're serious. Reassure her that, that she can trust you, but realize that it's going to take some time. It's going to take a track record for you to show her so that she'll believe you because ladies don't want to hear it so much as they want to see it because talk is cheap. Okay? So commit yourself. Commit yourself to helping him be successful. You can unpress pause now. Un, un, unpause. Let, let me say this to those of you who don't have a good relationship with your dad. I don't know where Coco is. But yeah, somebody come play the piano. Um, two things. Two things. If you don't have a role model in your life, a father figure in your life, for, for many of, one of many complicated reasons, then, then let me say this. One, seek out mentors and role models in your life. There's a, that, that's a need. You need th- that man in your life to help you fill those, those gaps. So find a surrogate father figure. Find somebody, start in the church, find a godly man who will help you and serve you in some of those roles. It's not gonna, it's not, it's gonna take time. Like, don't walk up to some stranger today on your way out and say, well, will you be my father figure? No. 
No, I won't. And who are you again? Right? So it's going to take time. Pray about it. Ask God to lead you to the right person. Okay? And godly men, be open to that. Be open to that because that's part of the body. Secondly, don't ever forget. If you don't have a father figure in your life, don't ever forget that God is a father to the fatherless. Let him fill the void that's in your life. Let him give you identity that exceeds anything that you're ever going to have on this earth. You belong to him. He loves you and he calls you his own and that will never change. As a matter of fact, all of us need to find our main identity, not in our last name, not in our father's name, not in our father's acceptance or, or rejection. We need to find our identity in him, in God. Because if, if it's life-changing to have a positive relationship and identity with our earthly fathers, it is, all, it is eternity altering to have an understanding of who we are in Christ. So next week, we're going to begin a series, a brand new series called Who, who Am I or Who I Am? that's going to explore those ideas of, of spiritual identity. Who are we? If we get our identity from Christ, who does the Lord say we are? And that's important for us to learn. For today, guys, dads, let's commit ourselves to returning to the principles of biblical fatherhood. No more orphans. No questions about origins. Let's be the solution to the problem. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.